0: Welcome to Zen for Everyday Life with Matt Valentine. Insight, inspiration, and wisdom for living a more mindful, peaceful, and joy filled life. Episode number 26. Welcome to a new episode. Of Zen for Everyday Life. I am Matt Valentine, and this is the official Buddhaimonia podcast. You can visit Buddhaimonia.com, that's B U D D H A I M O N I A.com to get my weekly blog posts, various mindfulness and meditation guides, podcast episode show notes, my books, and various other resources. Plus, you can join the weekly Buddhaimonia newsletter at Buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter to uh, get various free gifts and my weekly newsletter. And uh, you can pick up my free ebook, The Little Book of Mindfulness, which is a A to Z introduction to the practice of mindfulness meditation. So again, that's at Buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter. And today I am going to do something a little bit different uh, for the first time in the, the podcast thus far, I'm actually going to be doing a short, a very short reading from a section of one of my favorite books, which is The Art of Power by Thich Nhat Hanh. and it's a specific story that he tells in the book that really hit me the first time that I heard it, and I felt that it would be really impactful uh for a number of people to hear that same story. And I originally was going to write my own version of it. I was thinking of of doing that and I had kind of enjoyed the idea of it. But then I realized and uh in the book it's it's actually it's a true story that he's telling in the book. I just felt that just because of that and 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 uh because it was almost just uh, needless to do so. The original story was just It told the point so well. And since I hadn't read anything directly from him before, which uh, I'd really enjoy doing, I figured why not. So, this is actually going to be the original story that he tells in the book, The Art of Power. Uh, If you want to check out the show notes, I'll put a link to the book in case you would like to check out the rest of it. Uh, It's definitely highly, highly recommended. So, that's today's talk. It's all about that story. And then I'll talk a little bit afterwards about that story. And, um, Just unfolding the insights within the story a little bit further and talking about what I felt when I first heard the story, when I first read about it, and uh, a little bit about what, what I think about the story. But uh, before we get to today's episode, uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, there's two ways to do it. You can go to thismomentbook.com and uh, you can check out my new book and uh, pick up a copy if you'd like. And you can check out the, uh, there's an ebook format, uh, audio book, paperback, all kinds of different stuff. So you can check that out at thismomentbook.com. Dot com. Uh, alternatively, you can go to buddhimoniacom forward slash support to become a uh, reoccurring supporting member or just to give a one-time donation. And uh, checkout is really easy. You can use everything including PayPal and uh, your support. Uh, be it through the uh, book purchase or donation, will help pay for the time as well as the money that I put into the podcast. And that will allow me to continue bringing you great material each week. So having said that, let's get to today's episode. Okay, today I am going to do a reading from one of my favorite books of all time, which is The Art of Power by Thich Han. This is a, uh, for the most part, I feel like the story just really speaks for itself. So I'm just going to read the story and it's just really just going to take a, a couple of minutes and I'm going to give you just a little short, uh, just a short talk after that and just give a little bit about what I think about it and how it's impacted me and, and uh, what I think it means, the kind of significance that I think it can have on our lives because this story really just, it applies to so many of us. So I'm gonna keep it really short and simple today. A very important message though. As important as anything. So I'm gonna get straight into it. Let's uh let's read. This is from chapter one. This is actually right from the beginning of the book. And uh I was thinking about this story before, and I was I was thinking, you know what, I'd really like to read from this story, and I couldn't remember where I had read it. I knew it was uh I knew it was from one of Han's books, but I've read like fifteen of his books, so Uh, Oddly enough, I found it right at the beginning of one of the first, I think, two books I read of his. So this is chapter one. This is The Art of Power. Um, Again, as I mentioned in the introduction, I'll put a link to this in the show notes in case you would like to check out the entirety of the book. So this is chapter one, True Power, and uh, this is the story of Frederick. Frederick was by conventional standards. A powerful man. He was a financially successful executive who prided himself on his high ideals. Yet he was unable to really be there for himself, his wife Claudia, or their two young sons. He was filled with an energy that always pushed him to do more, be better, and focus on the future. When his youngest son came to him, smiling, smiling, to show him a picture he had drawn. Frederick was so absorbed in his thoughts and worries about his work that he didn't really see his son as precious, a miracle of life. When he came home from work and hugged Claudia, he wasn't fully present. He tried, but he wasn't really there. Claudia and the children felt his absence. At first, Claudia had supported Frederick in his career completely. She was proud to be his wife, and she took a lot of pleasure in organizing receptions and other social events. Like him, she was committed to the idea that getting ahead, having a bigger salary and a larger home, would increase their happiness. She listened to him to understand his difficulties. Sometimes, they would stay up very late at night and talk about his concerns. They were together, but the focus of their attention and concentration wasn't themselves, their lives, their happiness, or the happiness of their children. The focus of their conversations was business, the difficulties and obstacles he encountered at work, and his fear and uncertainty. Claudia did her best to be supportive of her husband, but eventually she became exhausted and overwhelmed by his continuing stress and distraction. He didn't have time for himself, let alone his wife and two children. He wanted to be with them, but he believed he couldn't afford to take the time. He didn't have time to breathe, to look at the moon, or to enjoy his steps. Although he was supposedly the boss, his craving to get ahead was the real boss, demanding 100% of his time and attention. Claudia was lonely. She wasn't really seen by her husband. She took care of the family and the house, did charitable work as a volunteer, and spent time with her friends. She went to graduate school and then started working as a psychotherapist. Although she found meaning in these activities, she still felt unsupported in her marriage. His sons wondered why their father was gone so much. They missed him and often asked for him. When Frederick and Claudia's older son, Philip, had to go to the hospital for open heart surgery, Claudia spent more than seven hours alone with Philip because Frederick couldn't get away from his business. Even when Claudia went into the hospital for her own surgery to remove a benign tumor, Frederick didn't come. Yet Frederick believed that he was doing the right thing by working so hard, that he was doing it for his family and for the people he worked with, who depended on him. He felt responsible for fulfilling his duties at work, and his work gave him a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction. But he was also driven by a strong feeling of pride. He was proud of being successful, of being able to make important decisions, and of having a high income. Claudia regularly asked Frederick to slow down, to take time off for himself and his family, and to enjoy life. She told him she felt he'd become enslaved by his work. It was true. They had a beautiful home, with a lush, green garden in a nice neighborhood. Frederick loved gardening, but he wasn't home enough to spend time in the yard. Frederick always responded to Claudia's requests by saying that he enjoyed his work, and his business couldn't get by without him and he often told her that in a few years, after he retired, he would have plenty of time for himself, her, and their sons. At 51, Frederick was killed instantly in a car accident. He never had a chance to retire. He thought he was irreplaceable, but it took his company only three days to fill his position. I met Claudia at a mindfulness retreat, and she told me her husband's story. Although they lacked nothing in terms of fame, success, and wealth, they were not happy. Yet many of us believe that happiness is not possible without financial or political power. We sacrifice the present moment for the sake of the future. We are not capable of living deeply every moment of our daily lives. We often think that if we have power, if we succeed in our business, people will listen to us. We'll have plenty of money, and we will be free to do whatever we want. But if we look deeply, we see that Frederick had no freedom, no capacity to enjoy life, no time for his loved ones. His business pulled him away. He had no time to breathe deeply, smile, look at the blue sky, and be in touch with all the wonders of life. It is possible to be successful in your profession, to have worldly power, and be content at the same time. In the time of the Buddha, there was a very powerful and kind businessman named Natha Pindika. He was a disciple of the Buddha who tried to always understand his employees, his customers, and his colleagues. Because of his generosity, His workers saved him many times from attacks by robbers. When a fire threatened to destroy his business, his staff and the neighbors risked their lives to put it out. His workers protected him because they saw him as a brother and a father, and his business grew. When he went bankrupt, he didn't suffer because his friends pitched in to help him quickly rebuild his business. He had a spiritual direction in his business life, he was inspiring and skillful. So his wife and children joined him in his spiritual practice and in caring for the poor. Anathapindika was a bodhisattva. He had a big heart and a lot of compassion. He was happy not because of his wealth, but because of his love. He allowed love to be his motivation, the force that pushed him forward. He had time for his wife and his children. He had time for his spiritual community the Sangha of nuns, monks, and laypersons practicing understanding and love. Anathapindika means the one who helps those who are poor, destitute, and lonely. People gave him this name because he was full of loving kindness and compassion. He knew how to love and take care of himself and his family, and how to love and care for the people of his country. He always helped people when they were in difficulty, so he had many good friends. He invested in friendship, in family, in the Sangha, so he had enough time to cherish and care for the people he loved. He was very happy to serve the Buddha and his community. When people talked about the Sangha, Anathapindika's eyes became bright. When people talked about poor people, his eyes became bright. When people talked about his children, his eyes also became bright. To me, what most of us call the bottom line is actually love. If we crave only power and fame, we cannot be happy like Anathapindika. Anathapindika was a businessman out of love. Love was his foundation. This is why he had a lot of happiness. Often when we start out in our profession, we do it out of love for our family, our community. In the beginning, our intentions are good. Then slowly we become consumed with pursuing success in our work. Craving for success, power, and fame replaces our focus on family and community. This is when we begin to lose our happiness. The secret to maintaining happiness is to nourish our love every day. Don't allow success or craving for money and power to replace your love. In the beginning, Frederick loved his wife, he loved his children, and he started his business with that love. But he betrayed himself by allowing his desire to succeed to take precedence over his need to love. If you look back at yourself and see that your aspiration for success is greater than your wish to love and take care of your loved ones, you know you have begun to follow Frederick. So that's where I'm going to stop. Chapter one is quite big, so there's a lot more to it. Uh, but that's essentially the end of this section, the end of this story. It's sort of recapping it. So I think you probably see at this point why uh, this story is so significant to me. I know a lot of you at least will really be impacted quite a bit by this story. There is so many different shades to this, some of us become obsessed with success and power, and I love how he describes love as being the bottom line, as uh, the initial thing, which we, the initial vantage point that we came to our efforts from. Uh, In my new book, This Moment, I talk a lot about love a lot about compassion and loving kindness. And I talk about the, the void that we feel within ourselves and the feeling that we need to fill that. And there's different ways that we go about doing it. Ultimately, it's love, which will fill this sort of illusory void within us. But most of us, we don't realize that. And so the way that we attempt to go about filling it is through accomplishing success some sort of significance through power, wealth, fame. Some of us attach ourselves to intimate relationships in unhealthy ways, uh, to sex or certain addictive uh, activities, certain particular addictions. So there's all these different ways that we attempt to, to fill that need for love, and we don't realize that's really what we wanted all along. And we just, uh, for one reason or another, we become misguided and we lose sight of what really, really matters. You know, some of us are in pursuit of significance, of power or wealth to support our families. Some of us are just caught up in the busyness. And we always think that as soon as we do this, as soon as we get there, as soon as we do that, As soon as I finish this, as soon as I'm done with that, then everything will be perfect. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be able to spend more time with my wife, my husband, my kids, my friends, my family. But the reality is, this thinking persists. There is no end to it. It's a state of mind. It's not a path that you're on. It's a state of mind that will continue to renew itself until you break that habitual pattern. It is a habitual pattern that will continue on until, in very much the same way with Frederick, until the day that we die. Very much so rushing, hurrying to our deaths. It might sound a little bit intense, but we see directly right here in this story, this is a true story the wife of Frederick told this story to Thich Nhat Hanh. And I know many other examples of this, of people who have been living their life for years and years, literally rushing to their deaths, running to their deaths. One way that I described it before was we're sort of going down this highway and there's these really notable moments along the path, sort of as if you're driving down a really beautiful uh, a really beautiful street or a really beautiful highway and, and there's these different sort of there are landmarks, these various different landmarks that you run into and these amazing landmarks that you really should pull over and take time to enjoy and see. And who knows, the likelihood is you'll never be here again to see this landmark. When when are you gonna take this sort of a trip again? But the thing that we actually do is instead of pulling off to the side and enjoying ourselves, we just keep on driving. Maybe we we look for a second. Maybe we just turn and we glance and we see it and we say, hey, that's cool, but I got to keep going. And that highway, that highway is us, us driving in our car, rushing down that highway. That's us rushing to our deaths. And all of those landmarks are those great experiences of our life, which become, which would then become our great, those great memories that we have. But we don't take the time to stop and enjoy them. We just keep going. And the really sad and unfortunate thing is is we don't realize that we're losing these experiences, those moments with our kids, those moments with our husband or our wife or significant other, with our mother or our father, with everyone that means anything to us, with everything that means anything to us, doing anything significant that we really love to do we're missing those moments. We are completely bypassing those moments in order to keep busy and in order to chase something that isn't real. So this story really struck home for me for this reason, because I felt like it perfectly exemplified what so many of us are doing right now in this very moment. And the funny thing is, some of us realize it and we don't do anything about it. It takes a certain level of, you know, I'm, I'm tired of being tired. I'm, you know, a certain level of being fed up with it. And to some degree, some of us don't even really believe it. Maybe even when we hear it. And there's just this, this sort of barrier in our minds to it. And uh, there's the the strong pull of this habitual pattern which we've stuck to for so many years. And that's that, that can be very difficult to get away from. But the reality is, this is our life. And each one of these landmarks, each one of these moments, we'll never get back. This time with our children before they grow up this time with our with our mother and our father before they pass this time with our significant other before we get older and before we don't have the opportunity to do certain things or just you know what's going on now it's 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 going to be different tomorrow it's going to be different next year these moments now are you're never going to get them back so no matter what it is or who it is with or what it is that you're doing this moment will only ever be this moment and it will be gone in a second in a moment it will be gone tomorrow. it will be gone next year. So I hope this story impacted you, motivated you to look at your life differently, to really consider how you live in a very fundamental sense. Uh, I won't say much else other than that. I felt that the story really spoke for itself. Uh, I just wanted to add a few words there and at the end. This is one of those messages that I feel just, it just hit home and it was perfect. And there really isn't much else that needs to be added other than that. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, it was a shorter episode, and uh, but I personally really, uh, really enjoyed it. I think it had a really important message that a lot of people need to hear and you know, we really need to get up and we need to do something about it because this is our life and, you know, we're not going to get these moments back. So again, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please take a moment to, uh, to rate and review it on iTunes. Uh, each rating and review uh, helps, absolutely helps uh, expose the podcast to new people. So uh, thank you so much to everybody who's rated and reviewed it thus far. And uh, if you'd like to get more, you can head over to buddhaimonia.com, that's the word Buddha, B-U-D-D-H-A, and the letters I-M-O-N-I-A.com, where you can read my weekly blog, you can get the podcast show notes, uh, you can check out the various books I have and other resources that I offer, as well as sign up to the weekly newsletter at buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter. And also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to buddhaimonia.com forward slash support, and uh, your donation will help pay for the time as well as the money that I put into the podcast, and it will allow me to continue bringing you great content each week. So again, that's buddhaimonia.com forward slash support. And uh, remember to check out this week's guided meditation, which is mindful driving. It's a little bit of a different one, uh, which I think will be very beneficial for a lot of people, uh, especially podcast listeners a lot of times. uh, I know I do the exact same thing. I listen in my car all the time. So I think this guided meditation will be really cool for a lot of people. And it's a really simple practice that you can do anytime you drive and turn driving from a moment in which you're just traveling from one place to the next to really a time to take out for yourself to just find that sense of balance, mindfulness, and peace. So thank you for listening to today's episode and I will see you next week. Peace.